Matthew 21 is where we're going to start our reading. I know if you have your bulletins, hopefully the sermon notes are there. And in your sermon notes, you see it says Zechariah 9, 9, and that is kind of our focus. But we want to read this uh, about Palm Sunday, as we call it, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. And as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This place, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and and Jesus sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And crowds that went ahead of him and those followed and shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We pray that you'd help us lay aside all the cares, lay at your feet, Jesus, all the concerns, which does us no good to hold on to them anyway. Put aside everything and right now, to listen for your voice. Pray you help me to speak your words, but Lord, I know that you desire to meet us in a way that has nothing to do with what I say or what we sing or any of this stuff. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Manifest the presence of your reign upon us in this moment now. Fall. Fill. Move us that we might be different, changed, that we might see you differently than we have before and change our worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Palm Sunday, as we read that, it's not so much about the palms as it is about the king. It's about a king. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 21, which I just read, it talks about, see, say, the, the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle riding on the donkey. It's a quote. It's a quote that's out of Zechariah 9.9, where he says, oh, do- rejoice, rejoice greatly. This is what... The Palm Sunday is about this is what they're seeing. This is where it's coming from and saying here, rejoice greatly, which is what they were doing. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud. They were doing that. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This helps us to recognize that what's happening on this day that we call Palm Sunday right here. We just read about what is happening on this day. It's about Jesus coming and being recognized as king. Well, what kind of king? 
are they rejoicing and shouting about? What kind of king are we beholding? When, when you think about it, when in less than a week, the shouting that was going on crowned him, turned to crucify him. What kind of king are they really worshiping in that moment? Who has, some, who has a king, someone they call their king, that in a week they are able to flip-flop? Palm Sunday as great in the celebration and we think about everything that took place that morning that day stop short of really worshiping the true king jesus they needed to raise their praise to all that king jesus was not just to all they wanted from king jesus Many of us here this morning are excited, excited about worship, excited about worshiping Jesus. Uh, We've greatly rejoiced for the King this morning. But could we, do we fall short like those did that first Palm Sunday? Who do we see as we sing out loud rejoicing? When you hear the name of Jesus today, What image, what picture of a king are we beholding in our worship? Is it really beholding your king or just a watered-down version of it? Are we stopping short in our worship that Jesus deserves? I believe so many times we do. It's not that we're not worshiping, but we're stopping short of where we should be. So it's time, right now, right here, how about today, that we raise our praise of the King, start raising our praising of our King. Let it begin with us today on this Palm Sunday. Let's raise the worship of Jesus to the next level. And for us to do that, we need to raise our view of Jesus from where it is. So many times when we come in to raise our view of Jesus as your king. Let's ask some questions here. The first question is, do we stop at worshiping the king? Do we stop at worshiping and notice it's capitalized and underlined the king? To rejoice and shout that Jesus is the king that day that the crowd did. That's not really a stretch. To do that. I mean, it's a little bit, but it was pretty clear that Jesus was king from the very beginning. Even before he came to this earth, it was clear Jesus was king. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It was, he was king, and they knew he was king. He came as king. The Magi and others that recognized, where is this one who is born king? Even Jesus spoke of his kingdom. Even to one who later, I mean, definitely was not a believer about all this. Look at John chapter 18. As he speaks to Pilate. 
in this discourse there in John chapter 18, and you turn to verse 33. Pilate, in John 18, verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did you talk, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate states, You are the king. As Jesus is talking about his kingdom, and he says to Pilate, You are right. You are correct in the fact. Yet, as correct as he is in that fact statement, there is no faith statement in Pilate. Who later goes on to say, Shall I crucify your king? And puts the sign above Jesus' head on the cross about Jesus being the king. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 22 talk about how Jesus was resurrected and raised up to his rightful place upon the throne in heavenly places far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, not only the one to come. And he put under his feet all things and gave him as the head over all things to the church. This is truth. Jesus is the king. So don't misunderstand what I'm talking about when we ask this question. Jesus is the king. But he is more than just the king. And far too many people stop short with this picture of Jesus and worshiping as the king. And this kind of worship, as sincere as it may be, is often quiet, calculated, controlled, respectful. Although the reality usually in respectful worship is it has more to do with looking respectable in very stark contrast to the Palm Sunday insane, crazy, rejoice, loud, wild, shouting worship of the crowd on the street. That's what was happening. Because he was more than just the king to them. Just the facts are true when we think of Jesus as the king, but Pilate showed us that you need to go beyond just the facts. It would be like somebody on the road uh, that day and just look, man, what's going on? Look at all the what's coming up and well, what's happening? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, the king is coming. Wow, he must be really something. Look at this crowd. I, you know, this is this is amazing. I, I think I'm just going to join in and be a part of this. This, this, is, this is great. I, I mean, I've heard about Jesus. I've never actually met him personally. Which is exactly the problem with so many is worship of the king that they've never actually met personally. It's just a fact. It's not something personal. It's not real. And who he is, there's so much more than just the facts, Jack. A lot of people sit in our churches saying the right words, going through the right religious motions, believing all the fake, 
all the facts without any real faith. They believe what the Bible says. They believe that Jesus died and rose again. They believe this all in their head, but they don't got it down in their heart. They believe he is the king overall. You don't have to convince them that. But they don't actually live like they trust Jesus is king over them. It's not enough to know and believe that he is the king. The question is, has he come in as the king of your life? Not just the coming king. Is he the one who has come in as king in your life? Because he's got to. He's got to rule in your heart before we're ever going to experience his rule on this earth someday. We want the reality of Jesus, the king, not to just be in our mind, but in our heart and in our soul. Let's not stop short of our view of Jesus as king. If we're going to be raising our praising in a way that is fully rejoicing, that is greatly shouting loudly and worshiping, then we need to behold your king, your king is coming. Not just the king, your king, Zechariah 9 says, your king is coming. Here's the next question. Do we stop at worshiping the king of your needs? You know, most of those who were there that day worshiping and celebrating Jesus King went beyond the facts. Because there was some faith involved. There was some real feelings of those who saw Jesus as king, at least the king they wanted. The king that they'd already seen that he was capable of being. The crowd wanted a king who could not just feed them, but a king like Jesus who could feed them till they were full. Think about it. Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children that were there. He didn't just feed them. After it was all said and done, what did they do? They collected leftovers. You only have leftovers if people are done eating. They're full. This is the king we want. They were looking for that kind of king. They were looking for a, a king who would take care of their sickness, not doctor them. Not not keep them going, not make them feel a little better. They were looking for a king that could heal them fully and wholly, which is what Jesus did. They were looking for a king who would rescue and deliver them from the Romans to crush their enemy. In fact, the shouting of Hosanna that day, that, that is a, an expression of praise. But as well, that shouting of Hosanna is an expression literally also to say save. The word just is save, save us. It was a cry to save us in this life right now. They were looking for your king, you know, their king, according to their own definition, for a king who would provide and protect for all their needs. And yet they stopped short of praising him as a king who would rule over them. There are those today that are not that are looking. There are those today that are looking for a king or looking for King Jesus to conquer their enemies, to conquer their problems, but not to conquer them. Are you with me? We want Jesus to do this. We know Jesus to come, conquer my problems, conquer the, the things in my life, the enemies, but conquer me? Is that what we really What is it that we really want? It's not the King Jesus we want. I think what we want is a Burger King. 
Uh, think about this for a minute. I know it might sound a little different, but I think what we want is a Burger King, one that we can have it our way. You know, we 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 come to prayer or, or, or worship, and it's like we're coming through a drive-through window, up to Jesus. We're, we we come to our drive-through window, and, and you hear from your King. What? Can I take your order, please? That's really what some in churches, those who uh, even say we are Christians. We're coming to Jesus and really what we're doing is just a drive through window and all we want to do in our worship, all we really want to do in our prayer is to say, hey, here's my order. You can take care of this. But there's nothing about us listening and following the king's orders. We want to give him ours. It's not that we're ungrateful. We're thankful. It's not that we're willing to pay a little cost of something that we can get from Jesus. But this Burger King type of religion just starts putting our hope in Jesus and what he can do for us rather than just Jesus himself. If you would just heal me, if you just take away the medical condition, if you just provide for me and what I got going on, then I I will be better and, and, and I'll have a better life and I'll be happy with you, Jesus, as the king of all my needs. That is worship that stops short of seeing Jesus as your king. Not just your king provider, but the king not of your needs, but over your needs, the king over you. There was a sense that most that first Palm Sunday were in celebration of Jesus the king. That's no doubt. There's no doubt that for many of them there was an adoration of Jesus, but it wasn't of Jesus as king over them. In fact, in today's churches, when asked about what do you see, when we talk about singing this morning of Jesus, was that Jesus that you pictured, the king, the master, the ruler in your life, or more towards the burger king? More towards the king over your needs, the one that helps you, the one that will do this. The reality is for many, the only ruler that they have in their lives is this. Hey, can you see that? Yeah, that's 12 inches. That's about it. Nobody has so many times a clue what a ruler really is to be in their life in so many ways that original palm sunday was really more about making jesus king for a day that's really all that happened as you think about it it was just he was king for a day not king for life and when we look to jesus do we see the king over every moment every moment of our lives or we just see jesus as king over a few hours on sunday It's not raising our praising to act like Jesus is just a part-time king that meets our needs. We've got to go beyond that. We've got to take it higher. We've got to raise the praise in this. Again, please understand, worshiping the king that you trust over your needs is a step above worshiping the king, the facts. 
we cannot deny that the people in that Palm Sunday trusted Jesus. They did trust Jesus. Many of them did. They trusted that Jesus was powerful enough, that he was kind enough to do for them what they needed. But it was a trust that is temporal, temporary, shallow, self-centered. Their thoughts about Jesus did not go much higher than this earth and what goes on here in their little world. Yet Jesus came to do more than just give us our daily bread. He came to be the bread of which we will never hunger. Jesus came to be the living water ever and overflowing in which we will never be thirsty. To see beyond this worth this earth to see the spiritual to see eternity ultimately to see jesus as our savior is a wonderful and glorious thing but there is another level of seeing jesus not just as the savior on the cross but seeing jesus as the king on the throne amen do we understand that that's But Acts chapter 2 verse 36 says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both, both, both Lord and Messiah. Not just one. Not just the Savior. But Lord, King, Master. Jesus may have come to save us from our sins, but He has always and will always be the King. That's who He is. Not just what he does. It's not about our felt needs or even the spiritual needs. To rejoice and find joy. Not just in what the king does for us. But to have a time that we rejoice. That we shout. Because we find joy in who the king is. It doesn't happen without surrender. It's not about. What we get, it's about what we give. To come to that time of praise and worship where it really is not about what we get. Not only what we've gotten before coming here, and we do want to thank Him and praise Him, that's always appropriate, but it's not about what we've gotten, it's just about what we're able to give in that moment. And even sometimes, even in our worship, it is really about what we get. I get a feeling, no, I, I get that sense that Jesus is really here and I get, I get blessed. And again, it's not that that's wrong, that you're blessed in worship, but what is wrong is if you are more blessed in worship than Jesus is, right? He needs to be blessed. I'm blessed. We have to make a choice. Are we satisfied with a king that meets our needs? Or will we surrender to a king on our knees? That's when we start raising the praising. And so we ask this question. Do we start at worshiping the king on your knees? On our knees? This whole scene, welcoming even worshiping Jesus king, this whole thing we're talking about goes against the American way of life. I mean, think about it. Remember the 4th of July? Independence Day? Remember back when we were trying to get rid of a king? And it's been Independence Day ever since. 
Ever since, in our individualistic American culture, I can do it myself. I will do it myself. Nobody is going to be the boss of me attitude. That doesn't exactly lead to, behold, your king. Right? Does, does it? I mean, face it, that's what we, we think. That's, that's not the whole kind of attitude we have. Instead, it's more, I'm the king. We don't say that out loud. We, we don't even necessarily even recognize that sometimes. But somebody's in charge. Who's on, who's on the throne? Who is the one in charge? I mean, let's face it. Growing up, young people, me, many young people growing up, were thinking about one thing. I can't wait till I'm 18, and then I can do what I want. I can make my own decisions, because I will be free at last. From the control of others. Right? I'll be free at last from the control of others. Of course, as we got older, we realized we did not have a clue. We did not have a clue. But here's another clue. We have a heavenly father that no matter what your age, 18 or 80... You will always be his child and you will always be living under his roof wherever you're at. And he, if he is not the one in charge of making decisions, of being in control, then you will forever be at odds against the king of kings and Lord of lords in your life. Even though you believe him, even though he saved you from your sins, it will be a struggle your whole life. Until we recognize this, until we surrender, until we bow our knee. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what age you are. Because, you know, you think, well, I've gotten older. At what age does Jesus cease to be the king? The king of ages, as uh, Revelation 15 says. So he says, but, 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 but Jesus is in charge, Pastor. Jesus is in the driver's seat. I gave Jesus the wheel. You got to say that country like. Right? I gave Jesus the wheel. I can't do life without him. And that sounds good. It, it really sounds good about where Jesus is at in your life, but really you got to ask yourself, where are you at then? Jesus is in the driver's seat. He may be driving, but there's too many of us that are sitting right next to him as the co-pilot and navigator telling the king where to go and when to turn, telling the king what we want. And therefore, that's not a king. That's a chauffeur. Well, you got Jesus as our chauffeur. Not our king. The king must have complete control. What it comes down to is that Jesus may be in the driver's seat of your life. But is he in this seat? Is he on the throne? Just because we said some prayer and we invited and made a decision and invited Jesus into our life that, that we opened the door, so to speak, doesn't mean that he has come in as king, that we have him for many. He, he, he's come in just as a guest. Nice to have around. 
but he has not become the owner, the master of your life house yet. He is not looked at in your life as the king who has taken over. Have we permanently transferred all rights and ownership of everything about us, everything about our life, over to Jesus as the boss? The one that we want to see Jesus. This is the one we want to see. This is the one to worship. The one that we recognize is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Talk about you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. We belong to Christ. We are servants of the King, subject to His rule as slaves. Is that the picture in our soul that we're going off of? Or does that picture make us uncomfortable to even think about that? We don't just need to make a decision for Jesus. We need to make a dedication to Jesus of our whole life as our King. To let Jesus reign in our lives by giving Him the reins. To release control to humble ourselves, to bow before Him. There is more to our worship of the King than just singing some song that comes not just from our head, but even if we say the song comes from our heart-filled emotions, that's not enough if it's just our heart. I know, I want Jesus to be King. But Jesus doesn't, you've been saying that for a long time. Jesus is then just a wannabe King. Either he is king over everything or he is king over nothing. The very nature of what it means to be a king in control. Boss, Lord, master. Means he is either king over everything or he is king over nothing. We can't possibly think that we can call him the king of kings and lord of lords when we haven't surrender control over everything in such a way that he dictates everything we say and do our obedience uh, for example if you just come off this series if you've listened to the messages making relationships right totally forgiving and reconciling with others and yet we hear that and we have chosen uh, not to change we've chosen to ignore it we've chosen to walk away or say we're going to uh, delay or obedience, or whatever it is, then that you can't possibly be worshiping Jesus as your king. You can't possibly be worshiping Jesus as your king and at the same time say, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't really want to do that. I'm going to put it off. The rest of my life is really pretty good. That may be, but he's not king. If we're not obeying his directives and his direction, Not only on that, but on other things. The fact that He is King should lead us to a faith that does whatever He says, period. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus recognizes the disconnect 
to say he is the Lord, to say he is the king, and yet you're not doing what he says. If there's no submission, if there's no bowing of the knee, there is no full worship of Jesus as king. When Jesus speaks to us from his word and in different areas of our life, are we beholding him as king or just someone who has some good advice? Do we immediately obey as if we are taking commands from the king? Or does our life show that his words are just strong suggestions? Not something from an absolute king. Do we behold? Who is it we are beholding Jesus as? What king are we beholding in our worship? And is he king, lord, master, captain, commander, chief, ruler, emperor, superior, boss? What is our picture in our worship? Do we see someone who has all authority, all power in heaven and earth, but not in our own life? We can't be saying to Jesus, oh, we know that you have all authority and power in heaven and earth, but but not here. The kind of adoration, the kind of celebration that Jesus has, should receive, should flow from not just whether he is the king, not just whether he is your king, you know, for your things, but whether he is the master of everything of us. And put it this way. The height of our worship is dependent upon the depth of our surrender to the king. Not merely the breadth of your knowledge about him. Not merely the breadth of our knowledge, but the height of our worship is dependent upon the depth of our surrender to the king. That Palm Sunday, there was some worship, there was some rejoicing, there was some celebration, but it wasn't very high. Because it fell flat within a week. If we want to go to a higher level of worshiping Jesus, then we've got to bow lower in our surrender to our King. Yes, He is the Savior. Yes, He's a provider, protector. Yes, He's a friend. Uh, but He is so much more than anything anyone in this earth could ever be. And we know that He's more because He could do more. But I'm saying He's something other than anything anyone else could be. These are all valid pictures. What a friend we have in Jesus. He is the Savior, Healer. But is He also the King of kings and Lord of lords, lifted above all else in all of heaven and earth? Is this the one that we are actually worshiping and celebrating? And I'm reminded in the, the Narnia novels, uh, or some of you may have just watched the movies, and the parable, the analogy of all this, and Aslan as Jesus, and the challenge to behold and to look upon this lion And thinking about how he cares and all that goes. And what will they ask about how is he safe? Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king. When we are worshiping Jesus, have we raised our praise to a king? Like this. Thinking through this. Not the king of our needs, but the king on our knees. Jesus, king of kings, Lord of lords, he is the one who's going to set up his reign on this earth for a thousand years and then his throne forever will be on the new heaven and the new earth. And he is the one that Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 and uh, through 14 speak of. 
Even as we read it right here, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and on his head were many crowns and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean followed him on white horses. This is the king. He is the king. This is the kind of king, the one, the rider on the white horse, the one with all authority, with all power, with all majesty. Behold your king. Behold your king. The day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why wait till then? Look, behold, raise our praise. For here is your king. And we will get to do this whole Palm Sunday thing over again someday. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. After this I looked and there was before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. A time will come to truly worship the true king and all that he really is. Not a king for a day, not a part-time king, not a king over just our needs and our little life, but the king of kings and lord of lords that we have bowed our knee to, that we have surrendered completely to. But here's the thing. I don't know where you're at in all of this. I don't know where you were at this morning as you came in and worshiped and sang those songs. Which, which one was it? Was it Jesus just the king and, and recognizing the facts and it was a truthful worship? Is it just Jesus the king who has done so much for you and you're grateful and thankful? Or is it Jesus the all caps king of kings over everything in my life? Fully, fully surrendered. Fully obeying, seeing him as he really is. You know what? Ask the worship team to come. We don't have to wait until Revelation 7. We'll try this again. The last part of our service this morning, it's not just one song the worship team will be leading us in, just kind of let you know. Is we want to let's let's put this in application. Let's let's give ourselves a chance to raise our praise this morning. To the king of kings. To my king. To your king. There was a chance to do that and be set free. If you, as you worship him, if you, you want to come to the front here and then kneel before him or kneel right where you're at or whatever it might be, that you respond to Jesus in a way, inside, outside, says you are my King, I surrender everything. Father, help us. Holy Spirit, move in us as you already have. It's not so much that our praise before it was wrong. It's all truth. But we need to raise our praise of the King beyond the way they did it on Palm Sunday to the way that it's going to be that day in heaven with you. Spirit, help us. Help us to surrender, to let go of control, 
for we are your slaves. We belong to you. You are the King and the only one. Be seated upon our throne today.